I'm in the shower with a metal pot. Instead of rice, it's filled with salt water. I jump the water over my head, slowly, letting it trickle down my entire body. I'm doing it carefully so that it reaches every square inch of me. I need to do this to keep the ghosts away. Why do I want you to do a salt cleanse when you come back? When you go out to these ghost temples, there are good and bad spirits about. When you use the salt water, you cleanse yourself of any bad spirits that might have clung onto you. I just got back to Taiwan. As soon as I arrived, my aunt and uncle sat me down to warn me of the spirits I might encounter at the ghost temples I'm planning on visiting. My immediate family, we're not a religious family, but when we're in Taiwan... My family, we are not a religious. They, they changed. That's my dad. It's not religious, you know, and, but whenever you know, we see a temple, we step in, okay? Not necessarily we worship the God, but this is you no know, we are we just you know we pray a little bit. And my sisters, it's hard to say because it's you no know, um when you are in that kind of environment, you can easily get influenced you know, by your surroundings. Okay. When you have something that you are not for example, if you if you encounter some problems and you start looking for you know, superstitious things. But is superstition any different than religion? According to Chinese superstitions, this month is when all of the ghosts and spirits come out. This means that many temples and businesses will go to pray. You cannot pray at home, you must pray on the streets. So I happened to stumble into Taiwan during the time all the ghosts were out. During the seventh lunar month, the spirits could wander about. At this time in Taiwan, when you look on the streets, you can see long tables surrounded by people who are praying to you. I wandered the streets of Taipei, weaving between long tables, piled with different types of food. Roasted ducks, various snacks my parents used to give me as a kid, long branches of longying fruit, and steamed fish. These tables are surrounded by businessmen and businesswomen, clad in their suits, praying to the spirits just as they did to the gods and temples. We refer to these spirits as good brothers, and we give them offerings. Because this is the only month that they can come out, they come out, and we prepare a feast for When my parents left for America, they only brought a few traditions with them. Religion faded away, but some of the superstitions remained, and I wonder if some of those got passed on to me. I have so many questions about temples, like the ones my family frequented and the ones that my family avoided, like ghost temples. So here I am, on the cusp of the spirit world, looking for answers to questions I've never asked. Days earlier, I went to the Yang Temple, Zhongsun Temple, that my family had been going to since my grandparents moved from China to Taiwan over 60 years ago. Nestled in the busy streets of Shizhi, a town on the outskirts of Taipei, Zhongsun Temple seems to blend in, despite its outwardly ancient appearance. It isn't particularly different than other temples you might see in Taiwan, 
It has the familiar pagoda structure with splashes of reds, blues, greens, and golds. The walls are covered with intermingled motifs of dragons and fierce-spirited men. People are walking around the temple, giving prayers to each deity. Some are larger than life and placed at the center of the temple, while others are smaller and in the corners of the room or underneath tables. Food and incense are placed throughout the temple as an offering to the gods. My aunt pointed out a quiet corner of the temple where a couple sat on a mint blue vinyl bench. Behind them was a bulletin board announcing important events going on in the temple. That, she said, is where your father was born and where we lived for several years before your grandparents were able to get everything together. The temple takes in folks who are down on their luck and the temple took my grandparents in. My grandma happened to be pregnant at that time so she gave birth right here in the main room. When people first arrived in Taiwan, there was a lot of hardships. Settling in, finding a home was difficult. This is Mr. Huang, one of the temple leaders. He tells me the story of Zhongsun Temple. It shares a common narrative of temples during the mass migration from China in the 1950s, a place of sanctuary. At that time, the future seemed uncertain. It was a place that granted peace for those who needed it. This included my own family. It was such a difficult time at first, and we needed the help of the gods in order to survive. We can thank these gods. When times were especially tough, people rushed to temples in search of answers. In exchange for peace, people promised worship to the gods. And that promise never really faded away. Even today, this belief is just as strong as it was years ago. Today, I see people of all ages and lifestyles praying. One by one, they walk to get incense. Three sticks are lit, and with three bows, their worries go away. The act of praying looked no different than what I saw on the streets, when people prayed to the ghosts to keep them away. Intention was the only thing that seemed to separate the two, between what was considered religious and what was considered superstitious. One was out of defense, and one was out of yearning, but both were rooted in respect. Yang temples like Zhongsun Temple were focused on the worship of gods. Therefore, it wasn't superstitious. But there's another kind of temple, one that has been avoided by my family for my whole life, Ying temples or ghost temples. Pray to the gods, pray to the ghosts, pray to the yin, and pray to the yang. As long as you pray, you'll be okay. They will protect you as long as you pray to them. With ying, there's yang. Both are necessary for a complete whole, and a different kind of temple for each one. But... An entire half had been missing for my whole life. Why? Why did my family pray to some temples, but not others? And why was it okay to pray to ghosts who wandered the streets, but not ones housed in temples? When I was a kid, we would drive up to the northern coast to go to my yeye, or my grandpa's favorite seafood restaurant. And every time, we would pass by a billboard. It was aged, mossy, and it looked like it didn't quite belong there. 
The billboard showed a cartoonishly large brass dog sitting next to a temple up in the mountains. The dog seemed out of place, almost as if it was photoshopped onto the mountain range rather than perched upon it. I asked about it, and my yaya told me that it was a sign for a local ghost temple, and he said that my family didn't go to ghost temples. I watched as we drove away. For years, this temple was a complete mystery to me. I was curious about the history and origin of ghost temples, so I asked Wang Junkai, a temple scholar who studied at Taiwan National University, on exactly how these ghost temples came about. There are many different Yin temples. Some are to honor spirits who have died. People will take bones and create a shrine. Taiwanese people think that the unmarked graves and lost spirits are very sad, so they will often create a small temple. A lot of cemeteries in Taiwan will have some temples in them. These ghost temples are a bridge between the spirit world and the world of deities. At the very least, bones are given shelter from rain and wind, and given some prayers. It's said that through worship, over time, these ghosts will turn into gods. This is Mr. Huang, from the Yang Temple I visited, again, telling me his thoughts on Ying temples. Yin temples are temples where humans are gods. Humans make spirits, who then are memorialized as gods. A ghost temple. They are not real, proper gods. People might treat them like gods, but they are ghosts. It doesn't sound nice, but it is what they are. The next day, my aunt, my uncle, and I drove to the northern coast of Taiwan, passing those billboards that filled my childhood with mystery, to chase spirits who did have a home in the month of spirit nomads. But we were there to visit the spirit of a dog. As we drove around the curved road that led up to the temple, I saw the snout of a large tin dog, then the full head, the torso, and finally the whole body. The statue looms over the temple and rises above the high mountains. Its gaze is far and wide, almost as if it is looking out to the ocean in a guarding position. But this wasn't the temple I was looking for. It had the same name, Shabawanggong, or 18 Kings Temple, but it was the wrong one. We were later told by a volunteer that the spirit of the dog did not want to move to the new location. So there remains two temples dedicated to this one dog. We go back down the winding road and pass the mossy bus stop signs back to the shore. And just when we pass a hydropower generator, I see a small temple with a few street food stands and tourists wandering nearby. It's right by the ocean, the highway. I went to the basement of the temple where I saw a mound covered with mosaic tiles. This is where the dog lives. I met with Lei Yu. Oh, my name is Lei Yu. I work here because the original members of this temple are growing older, and I was asked to do some of the tasks here to keep this history alive. Lei Yu is a volunteer at this temple. She told me its story. 18 Kings Temple originated in the Qing Dynasty when 17 fishermen from mainland China sailed to Taiwan and crashed their boat. 
The people of this local community wanted to put their spirits to rest by giving them a proper burial, so a mass grave needed to be dug. When people are placed to rest, their spirits need a home too. So a shrine was built at the site. So where does the dog come from? When the townspeople tried to bury the men in a mass grave, the dog leaped into the grave, refusing to leave. The dog wanted to be buried with its owner. I take a deep breath and look around. Right now, we're the only ones in the basement. From the outside, it looks like other temples, but on the inside, the walls are covered with murals and mosaic tributes to a dog. This dog's loyalty gave it enough merit to turn it into a god. After visiting the dog temple, I couldn't help but wonder why this had been kept for me for so long. The taboo that surrounded it through my entire childhood seemed to be erased after one day, and I knew I had nothing to fear. I no longer fear what I didn't know or what I now know. Turns out there was nothing to fear. But just in case, when I get back to my aunt's house, I fill a bucket with salt water and dump it over my body, starting from my face, letting it run down to my ankles. It makes her feel better, and no dogs would follow me home. The spirits I was warned to stay away from, what made them different than the gods I'd prayed to my whole life? Gods and deities only exist through the worship of those who are alive. Only they are able to determine who is a ghost and who is a god. Without the worship and praying we see today, they are reduced to nothing but spirits, only free to wander in one month out of the year. When people die, they turn into ghosts. When ghosts die, if they have it in them, they can become gods. I've been taught how to pray, but not always why. Yet I've come to believe that, for me, it doesn't matter. It's about culture and tradition. I get to choose. Like, who is a god and who is a ghost is determined by the living, by who they pray to. Maybe someday I can help a spirit become a god.